The young boy loathed what just happened. His favorite uncle just punished him for what he thought was such a minor infraction. But he was not crying due to physical pain. He was crying because his uncle had dared to correct him. Wasn't he the favorite nephew? His infraction seemed to be simple. He was just watching his uncle weld, but he himself was not wearing a welder's helmet. But the uncle knew what the nephew did not. He knew that this type of prolonged activity would have allowed ultraviolet radiation to damage the young boy's eyesight. Everything seemed to be fine, but he would not have realized his eyes were damaged until hours later. Injuries like that over and over could result in cataracts at such a young age. The uncle was not being unkind. He was simply teaching his nephew to take care of his eyes. In fact, that's one of the kindest things he could have done. The social trend that defines the hateful as kind and the kind as hateful is alarming. Parents are discouraged from giving their children loving correction. A humanistic cultural revolution preaches tolerance while extinguishing time-proven morals and values through legislative, judicial, and executive manipulation. The Bible warns about this. Scripture says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. If we're not careful, even though we should know better, we must be careful lest we mistake the kindness of correction for somebody being hateful. The truth is, sometimes it's more hateful not to point out the dangers of certain activity. Kindness chooses to hold fast to biblical morals and values in spite of politically correct rhetoric that deems such expressions of love as hateful. Here are a few examples. This will hopefully clarify what might be considered kind words and what might be considered hate speech. These are kind words. Don't stick things into electric sockets. <laughs> Don't play in traffic or play with guns. Those are kind words. Here's another kind word. Not all roads lead to heaven. That's, that's a kind word. Now, this is real hate speech. Whatever feels good, do it. God doesn't care how you behave. There is safe sex outside of marriage. Now, that's real hate speech because there are real consequences to those actions. As any teacher, especially in school, can confirm children who are left to their own judgment, they don't always instinctively create a safe, healthy learning environment. God's people should be thankful. He has given us kind words to help us understand what he expects. God's expected behaviors help us live an abundant life he has promised and prepare for eternal life he's promised. When he teaches his children to give him their best, they benefit because it frees him to give them his best. And that is a great benefit. And we are going to see that played out on the stage in the story of Cain and Abel right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is dated September 19th, 2021. It's in the fall quarter, and it is called 
Offering Our Best. And it's a lesson that was written to tell the story of Cain and Abel. So if you do have your companion student guide with you there, go ahead and turn to September 19th, 2021. And if you don't, that's okay. Go ahead and turn in your Bible to the book of Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible right after the table of contents. Turn to Genesis chapter 4. This whole story is played out in verses 1 through 15. But for those who have a short commute to work, let's just read verse 4. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Genesis chapter 4 verse 4. We are only two generations into the human race. And as you're about to see very soon, we already have murder. Adam and Eve, which were Cain and Abel's parents, already opened the floodgates to sin in Genesis chapter 3. And here in Genesis chapter 4, just one chapter later, just one generation later, we already have murder, pure evil. But God is good, and what he created is good. But sin distorted, wrecked it. But God is good. Part of his goodness is he has communicated to us what he expects through his word. His word includes promises and messages of hope. However, God has also made it very clear, for the most part, his blessings and promises are contingent on our obedience. Whenever Joshua challenged the Israelites to enter the promised land, he let them know in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God said, I have set before you life and good, death and evil. And this I command you this day to love the Lord your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land where you go to possess it. But if your heart turns away so that you will not hear, but you'll be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. And then God pronounced the curses that would come on the people if they would disobey and turn away. God promised blessing for obedience but there is a curse and correction for disobedience. Now we think about the commandments God has given throughout time, especially those 10 commandments that he gave on the top of Mount Sinai, which, shameless plug right here, I do have a book called 10 Words, which is a practical look at the 10 commandments. You can get that at PentecostalPublishing.com or Amazon. So there you go. So thinking about the 10 commandments, which commandments benefit the individual who follows them? Think about those. Some would ask, why in the world would God give us this choice? Well, because he's good, remember? And one of God's greatest gifts to us is free will. It's one of the most amazing gifts God has ever given humanity. The freedom to choose shows self-restraint on God's part and ensures our relationship with him is purely voluntary. However, in extending that amazing privilege to us, God takes a risk on individuals choosing not to embrace life as God created it. We are free to choose hell over heaven. Think about that. God loves you enough to allow you to make your own choice. We're free to choose selfishness over selflessness, unrighteousness over righteousness. We're even free to choose death over life. A quick review of some major Bible characters who chose to do their own thing, even though God gave them clear direction. It's pretty stunning. Think about people in the Old Testament like Balaam, or Lot's wife, King Saul, 
Samson? How about crossing the Testaments and going into Demas or Judas? In every case, careful study reveals God was trying to save them from themselves. Scripture declares God's judgment on their refusal to choose life. God gave them the choice, and they chose death. And so God allowed them to live with a consequence of that choice. We might say God was living by the same advice he gave in Scripture when he inspired Paul to advise his protege Timothy in meekness instructing those who oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Can you think of Bible characters who did what God expected of them, thereby freeing God to bless them? They're all throughout the Bible. As human beings, we're continually invited to choose between good and evil. In short, life is about deciding whose kingdom we want to join. People who choose God's kingdom must be born again and continually choose to remain a part of God's kingdom by continually choosing good over evil. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It's a struggle, but we can win this struggle. But we must receive the necessary grace, forgiveness, and power from God to overcome. And we can look at it in two ways. First, living for God will always be hard because we always have to choose to die to our flesh. That's our selfish nature. Or we can choose to look at it this way. We have the privilege of living life as an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We get to make right choices that have an internal impact in our lives and the lives of people around us. Think of a time you chose good over evil and the benefits that ensued when you chose life over death. Now let's get to our story and our two star brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. We're not privy to the original instructions God gave them concerning sacrifices. However, the story of Cain and Abel makes it quite clear. God gave them quite clear instructions. He was specific about what he expected. First, let's meet Farmer Cain, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Cain brought a gift to God. Good for you, Cain. And Cain may have reasoned he was offering his best because he was bringing the fruit of his labor to God, just like his brother. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. I mean, after all, wasn't Cain trying? And it did cost him something. However, God does not give us the liberty to tweak his expectations any more than a police officer would let somebody off the hook for speeding just because that person was running late for church. But Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 tells us Abel also brought a gift to God, good for you, Abel, from the fruit of his labor. And the casual observer takes a look at the story and sees two God-loving people offering worship to God. Their outward worship looks similar. Two God-loving people bringing an offering to God, but God measures worship much differently than we might. Abel's offering was given according to God's plan. It reflected his very best. Abel brought a firstling of his flock. He gave God his best. And so the verdict comes in. Genesis chapter 4 verse 5 makes it clear God did not respect Cain's offering, which made Cain angry. In fact, it made him so angry he murdered his brother Abel. Just two generations into the human race, and sin has already introduced murder to the human race. 
Now, there's plenty of room in God's heart for Abel's offering and Cain's offering. And if Cain had brought what God asked him and brought his best, God would have respected and accepted it. But he did not. Now, it seems Cain felt God was unfair. And maybe you can identify. Sometimes we do things we think are worship or, at the very least, generous gestures and wonder why God does not seem to bless it. But this story reveals, although God is loving and understanding, he does not let us tweak truth. He is loving, but he's also holy. We like our version of fairness, but God's version of fairness is all that counts. He's the only judge. He's the judge of all the earth. As far as God was concerned, Cain did not offer his best because he sacrificed on his terms rather than on God's terms. And later the prophet Samuel would say in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, that's serious, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, also serious. Ironically, Cain complained about the consequences of his choices, but never chose to change his own attitude. What could have Cain done to correct his situation? Was there anything he could have done? I believe there was. God told him what to bring. God told him how to bring it. All he had to do was do it. Obedience is indeed the best sacrifice. God's Spirit calls for us to do one thing. Our flesh and influence of this world calls us to do something else. Each person, you, I, we decide who gets the upper hand. That decision comes from the heart. The obedient believer responds to God and his instruction and does not expect God to adjust his point of view. This is more about lordship and submission than really about the actual sacrifices. This is about who calls the shots. And certainly, God calls the shots. There's a story about a missionary who was sharing his stories, and as he did, the congregation was spellbound. He spoke of leaving his family and country, taking his wife and children to a faraway place. He spoke of the dangers they faced from disease, from hostels, from witch doctors. He also shared the stories of incredible miracles and conversions that took place in that faraway land. In a private conversation with that same missionary, one would expect to hear things like, we have given everything we have for missions, or, boy, it's been a real sacrifice to be out there on that faraway field. But that was not the case. In fact, comments were more like, we were so honored to be able to go, and our family was so blessed to have the opportunity to raise up churches where there were none. What has it been like when you talk with people who have given their lives to ministry, to missions, to the work of God? who have sacrificed. Sacrifice is not a curse word, and sacrifice is not a curse. Sacrifice is good for us. We give to God to show him how important we think he is, we know he is, and not so he can see how special we are. When we, in obedience to God, commit our lives to a cause, it is a sacrifice. It costs us something. But it is not a deal or an arrangement or a contract. God does not owe people for what they do, even if it literally costs them their lives. Think about what he did for us. He sacrificed when he manifested himself in flesh and, according to Philippians, became obedient unto the death of the cross. That's what he did for us. 
and it was a sacrifice. How do we respond to such amazing grace? Well, the best response we can give to God's call on our lives is to say, as Abel did, I will offer him my best. And Abel, as far as we know, did not expect a reward, did not expect his name in lights because there were no lights at that time and nobody was making plaques. Rather, Abel did it just because God asked for it and deserved it. Abel gave his best. Can we do any less? We must say, I will choose to give my best to God and I will not compare my sacrifice to others' sacrifice. Rather, I will compare my sacrifice to what he did for me and I will thank him he was willing to give his best for me. Let's bring this all home. There's a story about a grocer who bought a hundred bushes of apples. Needed to move them pretty quickly, apple sour. So he had recently received some notices from the city that businesses were not allowed to sell merchandise on the sidewalk. And if they did, there'd be a thousand dollar fine. But he had to go out of town, so he left specific instructions for his manager. He needed to sell all the apples by next week, but the owner directed the manager. Here's what I need you to do. Make a window display. Advertise fresh picked apples at a premium price. Shoppers will be drawn into the store. And lastly, he asked the manager only put out a few bushels at a time so customers would feel the need to purchase immediately. Otherwise, they'll miss out. So knowing his boss wanted to sell 100 bushels that week, the manager set his mind to come up with his own plan. He's going to knock this one out of the park. And he thought about what worked before and remembered a sidewalk sale. A sidewalk sale had brought record sales. So he set up a sidewalk display. He dropped the price to move the product. And he was just certain the public would come in, business would boom, his owner would be so pleased, so proud of him. And he was right about most of that. By the next day, several bushes were already snatched up. Felt pretty good about himself. He covered up the display with tarps, closed up the store, and anticipated an even better sale the next day. But when he arrived the next morning, there was an envelope taped to the door from the city. And in that envelope was the bill in the amount of $1,000, explaining that the grocer had violated this new ordinance and payment for $1,000 was due upon receipt. How many apples do you have to sell to pay that bill? Now, where did this responsible manager go wrong? His heart was right. He was doing the right thing, he thought. He was doing it for the right reasons. He wanted to please his boss, move the product, make some money. But where he went wrong was the same way Cain went wrong. He decided to do this his way. He did not have all the information his boss had. All he had was an instruction from his boss. This is what I need you to do. He did not trust the judgment, the wisdom of the owner. And his well-intended efforts cost his boss $1,000. Jesus declared he came to seek and save the lost. Jesus has information we don't have. His, his information he has, it's above our pay grade. So when he gives us an impression or a specific direction through a sermon or a book or a song or even a still small voice, we are not helping his kingdom by trying to come up with a better plan than one he already has. We do not honor God by being heroic. We honor God by being obedient. That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? We don't have to come up with a better way. All we have to do is follow his way, 
His way is the best way. He just wants us to obey. Let's take some time right now and pray for God to help us to give him our very best. And when we don't, and he corrects us, not to become angry, but to be thankful he loves us enough to correct us, to call us back to a place where we can once again offer our best. Lord, I thank you for helping us to see this story. I thank you, God, for the example you gave us in Abel. I thank you also, Lord, for showing us the evil that we can avoid when we see it in Cain or we see it in us. I ask you today, Lord, help us to give you our very best in everything we do, the talents, the gifts, the abilities you have given us, the resources you've given us. We want to give you our best, and it really is not a sacrifice, especially compared to what you gave for us. Help us today to live in a way that honors you, that glorifies you, and if we're not, and you correct us, help us, Lord, to be thankful for your correction, to hear it, to heed it, and to follow after you so we can give you our best. I pray you'd bless all of those who are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in to God's Word for Life. I hope you have enjoyed this episode and this lesson. If you were part of this on Sunday, hopefully this is a refresher. And if not, well, this may have been a new lesson for you. And if you are interested in more God's Word for Life resources, you can find all of them at godswordforlife.faith, where you can get the student guide that walks along right here with each podcast episode as we take a look at each lesson. And you can also get a preview and a sneak peek at God's Word for Life. It's beautiful. The content, the design is all wonderfully done, and it's done to help us grow closer to Jesus and be and make disciples for him. If you have not yet already done so, go ahead and click subscribe right now. That way you'll know when any episode drops so you won't miss one God's Word for Life episode. And speaking of more God's Word for Life episodes, next week's episode comes from next week, which is September 26, 2021. I'm quite the calendar ninja. And it is entitled Obedience to God's Word. It comes from Genesis chapter 6 and all about the story of Noah and the flood. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.